0: You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, of Las Vegas. This is where Real Faith meets real train. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to stream. You can also visit our website, parischappellasvegas.com, to find out more info about PCLB, and visit our event tab to see what's going on this month. Lastly, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at PCLasVegas. Thank you again, and enjoy the message. Praise God. You can be seated. It's really good to be here. I can tell you that for sure. I uh, enjoyed the introduction. Uh, yeah. Yeah, art was not always a good guy. Amen. But he is today. But Maria has always been a good gal. Amen. And so for my wife Bonnie, yeah. I and my wife Bonnie, she sends her love and from the Orange County Church, man, just to be a part of what you guys have done is is just Amazing for us. We love you. Matter of fact, why don't we have them stand up? 16 years. Somebody ought to give God praise. Why don't you stand up? 16 years. I think we ought to pray a prayer. Let's pray a prayer right now. Stand up. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand in prayer right now and we lift Art and Maria Corral before you. God, their heart is evident for the city, for the people. And God, we stand with them in prayer, believing that, God, you're not done, but yet you're just beginning. In the name of Jesus, I pray over the balance of this year into 2018, that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon them. God, let there be revival in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. (laughs) Well, I could tell you that I... Uh, can uh, kind of reiterate the uh, words that have been spoken so far about the lineup of speakers that you have. My son is probably my favorite preacher in the world. Amen. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm serious. Uh, the, the, it, you, you just will never believe what God's going to do here tomorrow night, at, tomorrow day and night, I guess. Yeah. As we get into this, it's going to be a great time. And of course, Billy Hall, we, 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 we had a conference in Orange County Church. We called it the First Love Conference. So when we put the conference together several years ago now, um, there's only, you know, you start thinking about who can we have as a guest speaker? Well, there's only one person, not only one guy that could fill that bill. Of course, Billy Hall came to fill the bill. Billy Hall. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was an unbelievable conference and an unforgettable for our people. So, oh, it's good to be with uh, Pastor Billy and um, uh, be a part of the conference. I'm going to be speaking out of 1 Thessalonians tonight, probably one of my favorite chapters. And, when of course, you bring up the issue of love, love conference. This is a immediately what comes to my mind. First and second chapter will be in there. I'm not going to take the time to read that all. We're going to recap it, but it would be nice if you could maybe mark up your Bible just a little bit. I can tell you firsthand that I love Praise Chapel. Amen. I, I I love our fellowship. I love my church there in Orange County. I love the church here in Las Vegas. I'm not around all the time, obviously, but I love it. And I want you to notice when I talk about it, I say our fellowship. Because it's not Pastor Art's fellowship or Pastor Neville's fellowship. It's our fellowship, right? And, and when we talk about our churches here in Las Vegas, It's not, uh, you know, the pastor's church. It's it's our church, right? I mean, isn't that right? When people come up to me and say, Pastor, you have a good church, I say, no, no, we have a good church. I think it's so critical that we understand that because our fellowship, our church, has a vision that I believe has, there's nothing like it that has the potential to change our community like the vision that we possess at Praise Chapel. I think it's been proven over and over. The, the evidence is 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 clear. People come in hurting, broken, in need. And what happens is they meet Jesus. Amen. And when they meet Jesus, everything begins to change in their life. Of course, it's a process. I think we sang it today, glory upon glory upon glory. As we are changed into the image of Christ, something powerful begins to happen. We We see sinners, families restored. We see drug addicts set free. We see lives that were broken begin to be put back together. What we see is rehabilitation, restoration, all those wonderful worlds. And from sinners, we become active in volunteering our time, our effort, our money to change the world in which we live. We create uh, 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 the the planting of churches that have gone out literally all over the United States and literally the world there's world impact Mexico. We talked about Ethiopia. Talk about our our, our our missionaries in Mexico. But all over the world, the impact that's come out of our fellowship, our church, that at a time uh, we can get back and we can say, man, you know what? PCLV, we, we operate like a well-oiled machine. It's just amazing what happens. I mean, everybody takes their place, great results, effective ministry, all that's transpiring. But at other times, if we're honest with ourselves, we struggle. And so a church that really, really uh, uh, has all this potential, at times we operate way under the potential that God has given to us. And so sometimes I sit around and I wonder, why did God not come up with a better plan than us? I mean, we are imperfect. Can somebody say amen to that? We're up one day and we're down the next. We're on fire one day and we're, well, cold as ice the next. And we make mistakes galore. I mean, sometimes I just sit back and I think, my God, if this is the best you've got, Lord, you're in trouble. Amen. So why didn't Jesus come up with a better strategy? Why didn't he sit around and think about that and say, you know what, I'm going to bypass the church entirely. How many of you know Jesus doesn't need us? Amen. But that's not what Jesus chose. Jesus, uh, we believe the Bible, he handpicked you, and he handpicked me, and he brought us together as churches to do the work of the ministry. He bound us together as a fellowship. He placed all of his power all of his authority inside of us. He poured out his strength and all of his love into us as human vessels. And as we band together, there's a power that can be released, that can revolutionize Las Vegas and all around this area, literally spilling out to the world. Now, I am positive because you're here on a Friday night that you want to be the best that you can be for Jesus. Have I got it right? We want a church that adequately reflects Him. We want our church to be uh, uh, not, not misguided, not out of control, but under the authority of Jesus Christ. We want to bring people to the house of God. We want them to experience what God has for their lives but the truth of the matter is we are living in a critical junction in history for the Church of Jesus Christ. I mean when you look around you realize that our society is quickly turning its back on all of the ethics, all of the biblical standards that have been a part of our nation forever. We are quickly becoming what Europe has become is described as a post Christian society. And so I believe with all of my heart that as we gather at a critical juncture, at a Bible conference, that we begin to look carefully at this because in a changing society, the church must change. The church has to begin to adequately represent the Lord, and uh, that's going to take a change in our thinking, a change in our approach to the way we handle ministry. Now, listen carefully to what I'm saying. What I'm not saying for sure is to change our message because there is only one message, amen. I'm not talking about changing our vision because we have a God-inspired vision. There's none like it. And I'm not talking about changing our mission because our mission was given to us by Jesus himself. But if we're going to keep track and pace with a world that's constantly changing. We're going to find ourselves if we don't adapt, preaching to the choir, to a church that's constantly shrinking, to a members that are uh, to, to members that have been in church forever, and not relating to the vast majority of people that are walking on the outside of the church. We must begin to connect with them, and there's only one way I know to connect with them, and it's a word that's written behind me tonight. They need love. Amen. We're going to have to be like the children of Issachar. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 12 and 32 that the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times, so they knew what Israel was to do. And that's what you and I have got to be in touch with. We've got to know what is the need of the hour right now. The challenges we face going forward are immense. And that means we're going to have to do something. I know we're going to talk about this at the Bible conference, and I wonder whether you're ready to hear it. But we're going to have to begin to prioritize. Would you say that word with me? Prioritize our time. We're going to have to prioritize our mission. It's going to have to become more important than the other uh, peripheral things of our lives because any time we serve as volunteers, we have to come to the house of God, not unprepared, but prepared. If we're teaching a Sunday school lesson to our young people, let me tell you something. Young people become leaders in a church and pastors of our future, and they need to be taught from someone who's got a little bit of fire. Can I hear somebody say "Man, Not some dead, dried-up lesson that they picked up from the Internet someplace, but a message from God that'll inspire their hearts. We've got to as a, a, a leadership We've got to be the finest that we can be. We've got to be on the cutting edge, looking at seeing what's going on in the world and seeing how we as the church, hearing from God, how can we relate and minister? We've got to have faithful members. That are in tune with what God is doing. Uh, we've got to be thoughtful and intentional in everything we do, not repeating what we've always done, uh, but in uh, creating new and uh, things uh, that God has us to do to reach our world. And so you and I are going to have to become more like Jesus, more like Jesus, because Jesus. Never watered down the truth, but he delivered the truth in a way that people understood he cared about them. There was always compassion at the root of him, and that is the way sinners are drawn to the cross. It's never going to be done by a slick sermon. It's never going to be done by a bunch of hype or hot air. It's going to happen when people speak the truth, live the truth, and do it with a compassionate heart that does not look down, but rather draws people. The scripture says the common people heard Jesus gladly. Not like those uh, professional people uh, that carried the word of God, but they came and they wanted to hear what Jesus had uh, because Jesus came to them with a heart of compassion. So I want to take a few moments tonight to talk about church. I want to talk about what it's going to take and how we can operate the way that Jesus intended for us to operate. Not a model. That was a birth hundreds of years ago for the church. That's modified a little bit here and there. But I'm talking about a radically different approach. And that means that we're going to have to intentionally think through how are we going to relate to the citizens of Las Vegas. Now, in order to do that, I'm going to key on three words. I'm going to deal with three words tomorrow. but I want to deal with three words tonight. And those words are believe, excuse me, belong, believe, and behave. Now, they're written for us here on the screen. Maybe you would uh, repeat those words. First word is what? Belong. The second word is what? Believe. And the third word is? behave. Now, there's an order to those words, and the order to those words are very, very important. So, as I said, I'm speaking out of First Thessalonians. I'm in the first and second chapters, and what we see is a letter that's written by Pastor Paul, if you will. Paul, of course, is writing this letter to his congregation in Thessalonica, and he begins by revealing his heart and his affection for the church. Paul genuinely loved the members of the church there in Thessalonica, and he was grateful to them because they were helping him together do the work of the ministry in a very difficult part of the world. And so he starts his letter in the first chapter, verse number 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation and probably has that for you on the overhead. He writes, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we thank we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what he's doing there is he is applauding their efforts as volunteers working together with him in the mission of God, and he is expressing to them not only his gratitude, but the reason for the gratitude is he loved them dearly. Now, this is the same way your pastors feel about you. Now, you might not know that or understand that because they have to lead this church but I can tell you firsthand that the reason they stand behind this pulpit and open the doors of their church is not for any monetary gain. It's not for any popularity that can be garnered, but it's simply because he loves you. I sat with lunch with him, he gets to talk about you. He talks about you with a swelling heart. This is why I'm here. This is what it's all about. And so I hope that you feel loved here at PCLV because if you don't you're missing something amen there is a love that translates into appreciation and from appreciation it translates into a valuing and the relationships that have been established as you work together in the kingdom of god becomes binding so strong it's part of the dna of this ministry it's also how our mission into the future is going to unfold, because the key to our ministry's success is people coming here. Isn't that right? I mean, you do street evangelism, get it. You do all kinds of things, get it. But let's face it, where do people get saved? And so when people come to our church, they have to feel that way. They have to feel loved. They have to feel accepted just the way they are. From the moment they drive into the parking lot here, they have to feel welcomed. I mean, no strings attached. They must have to realize there's not an agenda here. It's not like sticking your hand out like you're, you know, a Walmart grader. You know, Welcome to Walmart. Welcome to Walmart. Welcome to Walmart. But, but rather, there's got to be in our hearts a genuine desire to get to know them and understand them We can't win them if they do not feel they are cared about. Pastor can preach the greatest sermon in the world, but if they're in here feeling uncomfortable, they're not getting saved. It was President Theodore Roosevelt who said, People do not care uh, how much you know until they know how much you care. Now, this is unfortunately not the reputation of the church. I don't mean. In, in particular, our church, the church. As a matter of fact, the church has a reputation that is not all that good. It has a reputation of being exclusive rather than inclusive. It has a, repre- a, a reputation that is kind of reserved for people who look the same, talk the same, think the same, eat at the same restaurants, dress the same way. That That's kind of the, the way it is. I. I was talking to a person that was waiting in a in a in a um, uh, a restaurant, and they said, "Well, yes, you know, they knew I was a pastor. They said we could tell which church people are from when they walk through the door of the restaurant." And you know that the least amount of tips that are received in a restaurant is the Sunday after church time. They're aware of that. So you and I have so much to share with people. You and I are able to bring truth for living. That will give them a better life than what they have. We are able to give them a purpose that they're looking for. Why am I alive? How come I'm here? We have the ability to give them that purpose of we can show them freedom and joy. They don't have to be loaded in order to have a good time. Aren't you glad of that tonight? But folks, listen to me. Visitors come into our building, and if we do not understand this, we're going to be uh, in trouble. They come in skeptical. They walk through the doors uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. They don't know what they're going to get, what they're going to receive. And they've already formed an opinion. They don't come in here from uh, no background. Everybody knows something about church. They've been either hurt by it or they've had experiences with it. And, and so they don't come in and just sit down and say, oh, come on, pastor, preach it to me. I, I want to hear what will change my life. That's not the way it is. They first got to know that we care for them, not just the pastor, but everybody that's in the church. Let's face it, first time you came into church, you felt out of place, too. is it true? I mean, you can see a visitor coming, and they're like, You probably thought when you came in, everybody was weird, huh? What's up with these people jumping up and down, lifting their hands, showing emotion, praising God? Who does that? I mean... You don't see that everywhere. They they come in, or, or, or else they thought, oh, my God, these people are holy. And they're so holy, I don't know that I'm, you know, I'm, I can't fit in because I'm not not like that. See, folks, let me tell you something. Uh, you and I have got to understand that when people come in, they are not comfortable. Why did you come back to church? I'll tell you why I came back. It wasn't because of the message. It wasn't because of the sermon. That's not why you came back. You came back because you felt somebody actually cared about you. That's why you came back. You you, you felt that somebody genuinely thought about you and cared about you. You didn't feel judged for your less than perfect lifestyle and that you were somehow accepted just the way that you were. Whether you had the right clothes, the right outfit, whether you looked the same, you realized that that people uh, uh, that that people were not judging you; they were caring about you, friends. That is God's way. Romans five and eight says God demonstrated His love to us when? Well, while we were still sinners, He didn't wait till you said, "Okay, let me believe, uh, let me behave," and then He said, "Okay, you're good enough now; you can come into the kingdom of God." There was a first word that came before that; it was belong. Hallelujah. Love and acceptance. What that means is belonging, a sense of belonging. Before you can expect people's beliefs to change, before you can expect people to follow in the way of Jesus Christ, before we can accept and reasonably accept any kind of behavioral change, we're going to have to first let them, they're going to have to first feel like they belong. Let's just think about Zacchaeus. The story in the Bible for, for a few moments. You, you, you remember the story, that that little guy that climbed up in the sycamore tree because he felt like, well, he was a crook, and everybody knew it. And so Jesus comes walking by, and what did he do? He says, you need to get your butt in church. No, he didn't do that. He didn't say, man, what's wrong with you? How come you're so so jacked up, and, and you're stealing money from God's people? What's up? He didn't do that. Jesus looked and says, come on down, man. I'd like to hang out a little bit with you. I'd like to spend a little time with you. And then what happened? Well, then he began to believe such that his behavior began to change, and he said, I'll pay back everything that I stole ten times over. Churches often get this wrong. When a visitor walks through the doors of a church, they're either kind of ignored, you know, because we we don't know them. They're a stranger, danger, stranger in our midst. And so they're kind of left to themselves while everybody else is talking. Or what happens is uh, they, uh, they don't look like or they don't uh, 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 talk like or look like they know what's going on, and so we kind of, leave them to themselves, and they feel like, well, you know, you know, why am I even here? Friends, it's easy for us to forget that when we first came to church, we had real issues. You know, we didn't have it, like, all together. When we walked through and everybody said, whoa, look at the, who we got in church today. You walk through and people are, oh, my God, who's this? Let, let, let's face it, man. We had issues ourselves. We had attitudes. Can I hear you say amen? We had language, you know, problems. Let's just leave it at that. We had some habits that weren't exactly Christ-like when we came into church. And so thank God that somebody looked at us, had compassion on us, overlooked a few things, and accepted us just the way we are, like Jesus accepted us. Amen. So listen to what I'm saying. Every guest that walks through the doors of our church should feel like a genuine love interest of the Lord himself. They should feel when they walked out of there, my God, that wasn't what I was expecting at all. I never even heard what the pastor had to say because everybody was loving me. They went out of their way to make me feel like I was important or I was valuable. I was not invisible there, I was somebody. We should embrace everybody. Somebody say, man. It doesn't matter the nationality. It doesn't matter whether they're a prostitute or a banker. It does not matter whether it's a lawyer or or, or a construction worker. It doesn't matter whether they're rich or they're poor. All that stuff is peripheral. Jesus came for one reason, and that's... People, amen. Old people, young people, white people, black people, brown people, yellow people, every kind of people there is, that's why he came. Listen carefully to Paul's attitude. In verse chapter 2 of our text, beginning with verse number 6, it said, even though, now this is the pastor speaking, even though we had some standing as Christ's apostles, we never threw our weight around or tried to come across as important with you or anyone else. We were not aloof with you. We took you just as you were. We were never patronizing, never condescending, but we cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. We loved you dearly. Not content to pass on the message, we wanted to give you our hearts, and we did. Now, I want you to just think about those scriptures for a minute. To me, when as a young believer, reading those scriptures, it would bring tears to my eye. Just to think about that, here he is. He's saying, look, man, yeah, I'm the the pastor. Some might come into church thinking the pastor's a big shot, but the pastor's not a big shot. The pastor's a servant. You heard it today. You start clapping for Billy Hall, and what's he do? He drops his head. Why does he drop his head? Because he knows who he is. He's a convict that's been saved by the love of God. Hallelujah. There's nobody got anything. He says, well, I wasn't condescending. I didn't look down on you. I, I never gave you that kind of a vibe whatsoever. And then he says some of the most amazing words in the world. I didn't want to just preach to you the word of God. It almost sounds like blasphemy. What else is there besides the word of God? He says, well, I'll tell you what it is. It's my own soul. I'm not just going to preach a generic message. I'm going to live that out with you. I'm going to interact that with you. I'm going to help you to understand. Because before I can expect you to believe and then behave, first of all, you've got to feel like you're somebody, like you belong to the body of Christ. (laughs) Listen, man, people come to church with emotional baggage. You know, sometimes that's obvious, but most of the times it's not. People are pretty good at saying, hey, man, how's it going? Great. I'm in bankruptcy. My wife just left me. I'm strung out on dope. I'm in trouble. But they don't say that. They come into the house of God. They've got pressure on their life. And they do not need a lecture on what they're doing wrong. Nobody needs to tell a sinner they're a sinner. They already know that they don't want to feel unimportant they don't want to be put down again what they need is a warm welcoming accepting embrace hallelujah they need someone uh, that 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 sees the deep need that's inside of them looks into them and they realize you know what i'm in a good place right here these people care about me it was written I have a quote here from a a, a Breen Brown said these words. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love and to be loved and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we were meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others, we get sick. know, I read that quotation and I thought, my God, I don't know who this woman is. But she had a thumb on the heart of people. When we are wired irreducibly, in other words, she's saying it is it, it it is the the greatest need that every person has is to love and to be loved, to be accepted by others. And if they don't get it, she says, uh, well, we be, we begin to fall apart, we break, we we numb. Have you ever felt that? We get sick. When you read that, you realize this is missing in our society. Today, wherever you go, you're either a number or a dollar sign. Nobody cares about your name. Nobody cares about what you're going through. They just want what you have. They want your money. They want you to be in their attendance. Friends, we're not here counting attendance every service to find out how many people we can gather. That's not the the thing. You, you know, you, today people go places, they got to look a certain way, act a certain way in order to fit in with the crowd that's around that place, but this is not to be in the house of God. Every guest that walks through the door should feel a breath of heaven upon their life, and that doesn't happen, as I've said uh, from a sermon, friends. That happens from love that is given to them and then received from them. This is what Jesus says. You'll know you're my disciples if you have love. How many of you know if is a small but a very large word? If you love one another. Friends, let me tell you, before our church service starts and after our church service is over, us as the our church members, we need to hang out with people. We should have a buzz of activity that's happening before the service begins uh, and after the service where people don't want to leave because they feel the love of God that's right here. I know we need our sleep. I get that. I know we want to be with our friends. I understand that. But we've got a job to do. Amen. We've got to readjust the way we approach church uh, before we can ask them to believe uh, or behave. We've got to feel like they belong. It's in this type of an atmosphere, that people develop spiritually. I think sometimes people think that people will mature spiritually because they attend church for a long period of time. But I can tell you from years of experience, that's not the case. I'd like to think that every time that I preach, people's lives will be ir- it's just completely changed. No more problems, everybody. Receive my anointing, and everything's going to be fine the rest of your lives. But, folks, that's really not the way it's going to be. You and I have to realize they've got to have an environment in which to grow. Our kids need an environment in which to grow, right? They've got to be loved. They've got to be nurtured. It's the same thing in the house of God. If a guest is loved just like they are, if they're able to receive, then they're able to receive encouragement. And when they get that, that opens a door for new and better and positive relationships that they can have if we'll listen to them instead of speak to them uh, and hear their insecurities and their hurts and their doubts. Uh, they don't have to believe everything we believe in order to come to church. Uh, we can listen to them debate and come up with all kinds of things uh, because then uh, if we'll do that, we'll have enough relationship with them uh, that we can uh, uh, help them uh, to begin to believe the things that we believe. Listen to it. When we love, accept and encourage people, they will feel like they belong. If they belong, they will begin to change the way they believe. And when they believe, it's just a matter of time until the behavior changes. We got to turn this thing around. To come to church, what's the what's the criteria? Breathe. You got to (laughs) breathe. Other than that, just come. Paul describes how he grew and developed Jesus' church there in Thessalonica. In chapter 2, in verse 7, 8, it says, But we were gentle among you, just like a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Now, that draws up an image. He says, so affectionately longing for you We were well pleased to impart to you just not the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Why? Well, because you had become dear to us. And so was Paul is showing them that once they belonged, they were loved, that there was going to be something that begins to happen. He gained relationship with them. He's able to impart truth to them. And this facilitated a, a change in the way they believed, and they began to change their behavior. In chapter 2, in verse number 11, it says, And you know we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you. We encouraged you. We urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in the kingdom and glory. He didn't demand it of them. He didn't beat it out of them. He didn't put some legalistic law on them. He said, we pleaded, we encouraged, we urged you that you would come to a better lifestyle. And so you and I, here we are. We've got the vision. We've got the mission. We've got the message. It can change their lives. Uh, We've got so much to share with people, but friends, uh, the ability to give them a better life belongs in the fact that they first have got to believe that they're loved. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. There's a scripture you're well aware of. Maybe you could see what I'm speaking in this scripture. Matthew 11, 28. You know what? Come unto me, all you who labor. What is that? What is Jesus' cry? Does he say, I need you to get your act together? He says, just come. Come to me. You are heavy. You're laboring. You're heavy laden. I'll give you rest. And then, as he says, then you can take my yoke upon me and learn from me. After you come to me, that's when the process of learning begins. And then he goes on to say, for my yoke is easy and my burdens light. In other words, now obeying me, behavioral change becomes just a, a no-brainer because you believe in a different way. And so you can see this progression in, second, uh, uh, I mean, in First Thessalonians here in our text. He loved them, and that acceptance... Uh, began to change their behavior. And so the way you, the way I noticed it was the way Paul uses the word become. Watch this carefully with me. In chapter 1, verse 5, start the second half of that verse. He says, you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Then what's it say? So then you became followers of us and of the Lord. Do you see that? Do you see that order? You... You became followers, but only after you saw what manner of men we were among you. You began to see that. In verse number seven, it says, so then you became examples to all over in Macedonia. So he said, you, because you were accepted, then you became followers of us, and then then the Lord, and then you became examples to the others in Macedonia. In chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a word of a pastor, but as it is the word of truth of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which were in Judea. And so in other words, every time he goes on to speak, uh, after you were accepted, uh, you began to believe, uh, and then you became uh, uh, followers of the Lord. It's a process uh, that has to happen in lives. Now, why am I preaching this? Friends, I do not want to de-emphasize behavior. I'm talking here, and I'm ministering, about belonging and accepting people how they are. And I know that somebody could hear that and say, well, then it just doesn't matter what we do, but it does. Because the Word of God declares that when belief happens, transformation happens, and action is a result. Because of our faith here at Praise Chapel, when we're, we, we, we should be the most honest, hardworking people there are in the city of Las Vegas. Can I hear you say amen? We should be kind. I'm not talking about in church only. I'm talking about we need to be kind to every encounter that we have. We should be positive people, right? In a world of negativity, they're looking down because the end is coming and we're looking up because the end is coming. And so we've got to be a positive people. We should be a helpful people that when people are in trouble, they would know, who do I turn to? Well, the neighbor down the street, uh, they love the Lord. Let's see what we can get uh, uh, help there. We should be a generous people. Can I hear you say amen? So that we can demonstrate to the world the love of Jesus Christ. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and the commandments they are no longer burdensome. But this behavior is nothing for us to be arrogant about. And this is where churches mess it up. We're the good people. We don't Hang out at the bar next door. We're not like that. We're we're good people. Folks, let me tell you something. We have nothing to be arrogant about because we are sinners. And if it wasn't for God's grace, well, we'd be hanging out at all the wrong spots too. We'd be doing our behavior would have never changed. Listen, let me tell you something. When I first got saved, I stepped inside a church. I had no idea. I was married, but I had no idea how to be a Christian husband. I was a dad, but I had no earthly idea what that meant. I was a businessman, but I had no idea how to run my business according to Christian principles. I came into a church. I was the most uncomfortable person in the place. I remember sitting in a church service, the first one I was in, other than a, you know, a Praise Chapel church. I came into a praise chapel church. I, I, I've gone to church my whole life, but it's—it's. It's, I was treated. It was the way that I'm i am preaching against here. I sat in that church, and for the first time, and 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 people were lifting their hands, and people were speaking in tongues, and people were you know shouting hallelujah, crying. I'm thinking, what's what is wrong with these folks? I remember looking. The carpet was dirty. And and I thought, you know, if I could just climb under this carpet and just, just... I, I, I remember, I, I could just get out the door, I'd be so happy right now. I, and, and when I left that night, service was over, boom, I was gone. I was gone in the flash. But do you know the next time service was on, I was back. And the reason I was back is because I felt something there that I had never felt before and 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 little by little i began to feel like i was valuable i was important that i was loved and you know what began to happen is i i began to hear the word of god and i began my belief structure began to change i heard what god said and i could see it all of a sudden and so i began to follow in that i i watched other men be christian husbands other men become christian dads i saw other businessmen that were Christian businessmen. And I learned how to live for God. But the only reason was is they loved me and accepted me. as the way I was. And little by little, my behavior changed, and I find myself standing behind a pulpit that I have no right to stand behind. No right. Sinner saved by God's grace. This is what we want to provide at PCO at Christ Chapel, Las Vegas. This is what we have to provide. This is not something, as well as Art and Maria do this, this is not something they can do by themselves. Everybody that's been saved, loved, and accepted until you began to believe different, and now you're behaving. You need to now replicate what's been done in your life make it your mission look i may not be the pastor but i'm just as important as the pastor in greeting people when they walk through this door i'm going to take somebody to lunch after church sunday that i've never knew before i'm going to invest some time and effort into them i'm going to get to know them i, I if god would use me to disciple somebody. Oh, my gosh, I don't know what I would do. I would be so grateful for that. And let me just tell you something. You can reach somebody that your pastor cannot reach, and and the person sitting next to you can reach somebody that they can't reach. It's just the way it is. It takes every one of us, every age, every color, working together to be the church of Jesus Christ that loves people into the house, into the, into the calling of God. Now, I know that your pastor is proud of what you've become. Many of you have become mature believers, fruitful people, good testimonies of what God's done. Many of you have become volunteers. You invest in the ministry. You reach out to the lost. You're generous. You're kind. And I know they're proud of you for that, but let me just tell you something. You and I have got to make a determined effort. Come Sunday morning, I just bet you're going to have a few problems, right? You may wake up a little tired, and the first thought that might go through your mind is, "You know what? I just want to pull up the sheets and just skip the house of God today." Right? I mean, come on, let's get real. Those thoughts are sometimes they're the first thoughts. You know, you're, we're supposed to be our first thoughts on the Lord. And we're going, "Man, I think I'll kick back today." better watch the Raiders because they're coming. They're coming someday. (laughs) But you know what we have to do? Intentional. I used the word at the very beginning of this message. Intentional. You're coming to church. Yes, thank God that your pastor preaches the word of God, builds your soul, inspires you. Thank the Lord. But let me just tell you something. That's not the only reason you're coming to church you got to get up and say, you know what, today my day. (laughs) Today, I'm going to help somebody, amen. I'm going to be looking, I'm going to be waiting, and I'm going to be loving, amen. And somebody, I mean, you you heard it said Billy Hall. It's true. When you're around Billy Hall, you feel like you jump over a wall. You go, wow, the love of God. Well, why can't we all do that? We don't have the same personality. I get that. I understand that. But in our way, we can do that. We can do that. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you do it with me? Two. At the end of that chapter, there's a scripture that I'm going to ask uh, Maria to read. Now, as she reads this scripture, she can honestly, just like her husband, can honestly say this scripture from her heart. And what I want is for you to be able to say this scripture from your heart. Who do you think we're going to be proud of when our Master Jesus appears, if it's not you? You are our pride and joy. I know that's the heart of Pastor Art. In other words, when Jesus comes, what's gonna be the big what's gonna be the big thing? What will you? It's gonna be you. You people that 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 they've won to Christ, that loved into the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something. You're cheated if you don't have if you can't read that scripture and say, that and you can do it. It can be done. That's how the church grew. It's you guys. It's you. Father, I conclude this service. At least my portion.